0: 430 Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590, the fan from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where it is feeling like Los Angeles, California, I suppose. It is 21 <laughs> degrees right now, heading up to a high of 29 degrees. And Brent, I mean, you mentioned James and TO on Twitter, mm. a great Blue Jays Twitter account. He has mm-hmm. some, some great stats. Um, he tweeted this out. Blue Jays were 12 and 4 in games when the temperature was at or greater than 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's almost 27 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. Here's what they hit in warm weather games. So that's that's 16 games this season. 296 batting average. Mm. 379 on base percentage. 505 slugging. They hit a homer in each of those games except for one. I, I mentioned this in previewing mm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: who the Blue Jays would rather face. Is it the Twins? Is it the Rays? And part of my reasoning was that there's a controlled environment in Tampa. And say what you will about the trop and it's garbage. But <laughs> this team playing in cold weather, probably not so great. And I referenced that series at Fenway Park in which they were swept in a four-game series in horrible, horrible weather. And, you know, they're booting the ball all over the place. I, I This is playing right into this. The, the, the Blue Jays, if, if Minnesota was was five degrees and rainy this week, I would feel way worse about the Blue Jays' chances. Like,
1: if they, much like the man in white here, controls the knob on the humidor with mm-hmm. the Jays' balls, if they had a guy who controlled, like, you know, God, who controlled yeah. the weather there, if yeah, they, they could, they would be, God. They'd be dropping it down a couple of degrees. Because, yeah, of course, it just it makes perfect sense. Like, forget the hitting part of it. The pitching and defense team, mm-hmm. you want the more crisp conditions like you would think the pitcher being not sitting there like oh my hands are so cold doing this one where you're blowing on your hands every that just feels like it's bodes so much better and then the fact that you can actually get some offensive production from your team it's Mm -hmm. the literal thing we've been trying to meld together the entire time there and as we said uh you know not a meteorologist like to pretend to do one when we were talking about outdoor baseball or golf season it's getting colder as the series goes on though. So you might want to, you know, I know we can't get picky here. Just winning one game would be nice. Forget winning the first two, mm-hmm. uh, but the sooner you can wrap this thing up, the better one, save your pitchers, obviously, but two, it does seem like it could get a little blustery as the week drags on in Minnesota.
0: Yeah. So get this thing over with, uh, in two games. If you're the blue Jays, uh, <laughs>
1: that's my, that's just my professional advice personally.
0: Well, and beyond that, because it, you know, fall will eventually come. Um, Blue Jays so they they get the Twins in this first round of the series but mm. there's no re or first round of the postseason there's no reseeding in major league baseball when it comes to the postseason so they're also on the side of the draw that will not send them to Baltimore mm. if they win this series Lovely. they'll be wow. headed to Houston which is in Texas but also in a controlled environment in which they have a a roof at at Minute Maid Park. Now they're the defending champs, and yada 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 yada. Yeah,
1: I feel a little differently about uh, the second second leg of this. Do but you this, though? Yeah, because no. I, look, I know, I know they handed you your lunch. I, I like, I know what I'm asking for here. If you have any semblance, if playoff experience matters at all, if any of that stuff matters, the team that has never done this before who just lost their closer for not just this year but all of next year too, yeah. give me give me that team in the playoffs. They feel more gettable. And, hey, I know they've been great all year. And just because the playoffs doesn't mean those guys have to forget how to hit but it would not be the first time we've seen that happen. So I I understand everything. And I'm sure the numbers would say, hey, you know, Baltimore, maybe a tougher match. I get all that. But I just want no part of, of Houston, especially when that's the secondary option team that's never done it without a closer. Yes, please. It's it's a tough tough decision to make if you were making it. It's weird to be talking about the second round it's
0: of the playoffs so weird. When, the, when the Blue Jays are playing game 1 somebody, of their series somebody against somebody's the twins driving today.
1: to work like Did I,
0: was I in a coma last week? Yeah. <laughs> did they win? Did the did the Twins forfeit? No, they didn't do that.
1: <laughs> They're like, "Oh, our power hitters out I'm But the
0: Astros should. are a weird team, man. We talked about it with Robert Flores yesterday mm-hmm. that this this uh this Astros team lost 7 of 9 games down the stretch to very mediocre, if not bad, teams in the Mm -hmm. A's and Royals that, yeah, they eventually ended up winning the American League West. The Blue Jays also took the season series. It was the only American League West team where the Blue Jays had the, the tiebreaker. They lost it to... The, the Mariners, despite splitting that season series, um, because the, sec- the first tiebreaker was in division record, which clearly they were going to lose um, because of their American League East record. They lost the season series to the Texas Rangers. They actually won the season series against the Astros despite losing two to three in Houston. They won three to four in the return engagement back in Toronto. It's a it's a it's a question. We'd love to bandy about if, in fact, the Blue Jays got through the first round. But <laughs> that would involve winning their first postseason game under
1: the Vlad and Bo era. It could happen this afternoon. Yeah, very for, well could. And just to put a fine bow on it, I'm also just a big scared of laundry and scared of names guy. And it's just like Tucker, Alvarez, Altuve. I've just seen it so many times in oh, that yeah. park in the Crawford boxes oh, and all. Sure. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> Get me to Baltimore.
0: Uh, this Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Lexus dot com. Today's Insider, our pal John Morosi of MLB Network. Happy first day of the postseason, John.
2: Ben and Brent, it is my pleasure. Uh, same to both of you and all of our listeners today. Uh, we've been talking about this for a long time. Just. Just get the Jays to the dance. And then let's see if they become a little bit of a different team. Let's see if they relax a little bit. Well, we will be testing that hypothesis in a few hours.
0: Yes, we will. Uh, And the Blue Jays and and their fans certainly hoping that uh, the change in calendar and the change in season from the regular season to the postseason means a change in offensive fortunes for the Toronto Blue Jays. Nothing says playoff baseball in Minnesota like uh, like 80-degree weather, which apparently uh, they have uh, like uh, 27 degrees uh, today in Minneapolis. So uh, betting lines would tell you that this is pretty close to a coin flip, but that the Twins with home field advantage are, are the slight favorites. How, how do you feel about this series, and, it, and who is the actual favorite to come out on, on top of this best two out of three?
2: Great question. Uh, I, I think that when you look at the way that the Twins have played lately and the fact that they've got two excellent pitchers going obviously the Jays, the same thing, but it, it's going to, I think, be should be probably a, a lower scoring series just based on the starting pitching quality on both sides. The fact that they're playing at home and the fact that the Twins have been one of the best teams in baseball since the first of September, I, I do think on paper, to me at least, that the Twins are are the favorites here, but not by a ton. And to your point earlier, we're, we're, we're going to see a, a long streak end here shortly in terms of a losing streak in the postseason. Either you, you see the first playoff win of the Vlad era or the first win for the Twins in the playoffs since Game 1 of the 2004 Division series against the Yankees, a game that was so long ago that I was I was there as a uh, 22-year-old reporter from the Albany Times Union. That was a long time ago, my friends. Uh, I had a full head of hair and everything. So that was that was a long time ago. So uh, it, it 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 is unique that these two teams have paired up. To your point, it's going to be actually the warmest ever postseason game in Minneapolis for baseball it's I, I think back to again I'm, I'm dating myself here but I, you know, I've covered games at the Metrodome where there was snow on the roof in the playoffs so that's it's been a while and so I think that there's there's a lot of storylines converging over the years uh here in this uh, brief best two out of three I I do like the twins youth that they've built up uh, and, and some newer names for us to learn. Matt Walner is one of them. He's from the twin cities. Uh, of course, Edouard Julien from Quebec city. They've got some younger players that have come in and, and made a name for themselves amid all the injuries they've had. So I, I, I do like the momentum the twins have built. That being said, we know how talented the Jays are and, and we're about to find out if, if this team just had to get into the dance and then they would relax a little bit and, and play some more consistent baseball. Well, We're about to start finding out here this afternoon.
1: Yeah, it's funny. We always think or try to think about what lessons can we learn from other playoff teams? You definitely do that if you're a team that's sitting on the outside looking in. But I think even even across the sport, you probably look at it. And I think maybe the biggest lesson from the Twins in terms of how they built this thing up is being unafraid to be bold. You know, we were saying that there was so much talk here about the Swanson for Teoscar Hernandez trade. And that is like the baby version of what the Twins did to get Pablo Lopez. I mean, they send out Luisa right. Ariz, and, you know, that guy, I mean, I don't need to tell you and every. Everyone out there knows he has a magic wand, what he is able to do at the plate. But, you know, as valuable as a hitter can be, getting this guy at the front of the rotation, I mean, you just, we've seen it here in Toronto with how how valuable Gosman's can be. Uh, Gosman has been. And it just seems like the lesson to take away from that is to be, you know, unafraid to be bold, uh, even if you're a team that has that kind of been pretty comfortably going for it the last couple of years.
2: Well, you're right. And it's a trade that I think we should make sure that we point out. It worked out well for both sides. The The, the Marlins are playing in the playoffs today, too. <laughs> so they're, So it worked out for both teams. I think the, the Marlins got what they needed in, in Reyes, and, and they certainly have some pitching depth of their own. Obviously, they're, the Marlins are a little bit compromised now because of Alcantara and Euripeda Perez not being available right now. But I think, in general, the, the deal has worked out pretty well for both teams. And I, I look at the Twins and and – Lopez just gave them such stability. I, I I think, too, and it's hard to prove this, but Lopez's presence, I believe, gave you an even better version of Sonny Gray, and and they're both among the top ten pitchers in the American League this year, I think you would say, objectively. And the Jays have some candidates for that same status, but I think the Twins, those those two guys have been leading the way throughout, and, and I think that their rotation depth is there for them as well. It's just they're a nice balanced team and for me Brent a lot of it's going to come down to uh, do the younger position players continue their consistency and or do the likes of Correa and Royce Lewis guys that have missed time of late and are trying to come back how ready are they because it's now game one of the playoffs they're going to want to be ready they're going to say that they're ready (laughs) they're not going to want to miss this game but we you always wonder what are the odds that by any sort of important date on the calendar that a, that an injury is is that much better because of of what the calendar says and and how the player is healed. So uh, we're going to test that as well. So I I think there's there's a lot of. A lot of intrigue, a lot of things that we don't know. Obviously, these the, these two teams are, are not as though they've played a lot of consequential games between them in, in the past in terms of uh, the recent history, at least. So it's it's fun. I think it's going to be a really unique uh, matchup between the two teams. And and, and uh, I think the, the all of the baseball world is about to learn about some new faces and new names. I think especially on the Minnesota side. I think a lot of the Toronto names mm-hmm. are, are fairly well known to the – the baseball fans in the you know, south of the border, whether it's that, Vlad and Bo and Springer and, and Chapman. I mean, these are people that we've known and seen for a while. Uh, but I think the, the, the Twins are about to introduce us to Walner and, and Lewis and Kepler, who's had a really, really nice year this year. I think he's, he's been one of the more consistent players, uh, certainly since the All-Star break. So some newer names for the, for the, everybody to get to know, uh, which I think is healthy, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun watching it all play out today.
0: But as you mentioned, there's also a, a mainstay when it comes to the postseason in Carlos Correa, who I think everybody is going to recognize, um, whether you're a baseball fan, hardcore, or a peripheral one. And yet you mentioned it, he he didn't finish the season healthy. He's uh, all accounts are that he is going to be on the postseason roster and and good to go for today's game. I don't know, less so maybe Royce Lewis, and and we'll see how, how available he is. Be a huge loss for for the Twins if he's not available in the series or at a, in a limited capacity. Correa, though, I, I want to start with John because yeah, he, he has the incredible playoff pedigree and he's performed so well this time of of year this season when he was healthy. He really took a step backwards offensively. Is he still that guy? Like, it, did should the Blue Jays view him and should Blue Jays fans view him? in the same vein as, as when he was a key contributor for a championship Astros team.
2: You know, but I I think that's probably aside from the pitching, which is obviously always the big storyline. That's probably the biggest question of this series and this postseason is, is Correa truly back? And, and, medically speaking uh, to get into that little context of it because it's important he he's had this this uh, plantar fasciitis going on and and according to reports he actually tore the plantar fascia recently which some say is a good thing uh, from a standpoint of alleviating the pain at the bottom of your foot uh, it is something that can be in- incredibly debilitating uh for an athlete or for anybody else for that matter so he 's he 's been in pain just in life as opposed to necessarily only in baseball so there 's a belief that now that he 's torn that plantar fascia that he 's in a better place, and we 're just going to see i mean that, that there 's a lot of uncertainty there. I think should the jays be be careful with him? sure, absolutely, but he also hasn 't played a ton of baseball lately. And and overall, the numbers haven't been good this season. And to your point, you, you got to think back to last offseason, the two failed physicals. It goes back to the twins, and, and then you wonder a little bit. And, and I I can just you know, empathize with them and 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 reflect on this for a moment. You had two different sets of doctors telling you that you're you're about to break down and that you're not worth this investment. That's pretty. Pretty tough news to get for, for a play, for a player or person of any age, to be honest with you. And then you sign the deal with the Twins, and now, okay, go get him out there. Here like, We believe you can do it. I just think it was a bit of a difficult way for him to start the year. And is any element of his performance affirming that there are these chronic concerns about his health, or... Is it more of a, a situation where he just had the the planner fashion going on? It, there, there's so many variables, and and they're all many of them are medical, and there's really only one person who knows the extent of all that, and that's him. So um, should the Jays be careful? Sure, but also I think the book would probably tell you if you've got somebody who hasn't really hit that well by his standards this year, and is just coming off of uh, a longer break. I would think they 'll probably test him with velocity early and see how he responds and if uh, he 's probably going to have to prove that that after that long layoff that he hit the fastball because i, I would be reluctant to throw to throw things into a slower bat speed if that 's in fact where he 's at it's just it 's going to be it 's a massive question and I think that well, i'll 'll be really curious to see how the jays decide to uh, to decide to attack him. I, the, the one benefit, obviously, of many benefits of gospel is you've got this amazing splitter that you can just bring out at any time, and it wouldn't surprise me if Carl saw a few of those today as well.
1: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see Gosman with the splitter today. Uh the Twins have been one of the better teams in baseball at just kind of staying away from it, saying, if you're gonna beat us with that pitch, that's fine. And uh we're gonna we're gonna swing our w- away at just about everything else. That's gonna be a really, really interesting part of the of the chess match today match today. And you know, it's funny, you, you dig more into the numbers, and man, like this twins, they are a twenty twenty-three baseball team. Lead the league or or close to the leading the league in walks, leading the league in strikeouts, third in homers, steal very few bases, like this is a 2023 ball club. In terms of uh, Jays' perspective, is there one player you've kind of got circled Is I won't say the X factor, because that usually denotes a player kind of l- lower down in the order, but of the big boys for the Jays, be it Vlad, be it Bo, be it George Springer, maybe it's Kevin Gosman, do you think there's any one of them that they need to come through in a, in a bigger way, or one of them's kind of feeling the pressure a little more, because we know that, that this group has never come through and won a playoff game. Obviously, Springer's won his share elsewhere, but but none here
2: right i i do think it's it's flat Uh, that's probably the easy answer but i i also think that when you consider the way that he can hit and and i was just in detroit uh on sunday as the tigers honored miguel cabrera what a
1: what a day just give us give us two seconds on that john what a day that was down there
2: sure and 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 as i was saying on sunday a beautiful job by A.J. Hinch and the Tigers to orchestrate Miguel getting into the game. And then a big assist from the baseball guys to make sure that he got the one chance that he had gotten uh, in his first defensive game since 2021. And as he told me later on, guys, he had not fielded a ground ball in batting practice since last year. So <laughs> It just – he he didn't even have a glove. He, he wore Spencer Torkelson's glove. I mean, that that was – a story for the ages. Uh, he asked Tornglesen for his glove. He, he used it for one, one plate appearance, one ball in play, and then signed it to Spencer. And Spencer's going to keep it for the rest of his life and never use it again. That's that is the absolute truth. Um, so I, I think with with Vlad uh, to to make the point about Miguel, I mean that he's the guy that was has been compared to him, of course, for a long time. With their setup, with the ability to go to right center um, and and have that swing at times that's what I need to see from Vlad in this series, because the pitching on the Minnesota side is really quality. And you've got guys in both Lopez and Gray who will give you innings and take you deep into games. And so if if that's the case, you're not going to get a bunch of mistakes. You have to be ready to hit the ball where it's pitched. And if that means taking your base hits, you do it. And, and I think that, that to me is going to be the, the key thing is, is does he settle in does he take his hits? Does he take his walks when they come, or is he swinging at the second pitch of an at bat and rolling over it and hitting an easy tapper to the third baseman? That's that's what I want to see early. Did did he does he bring his good approach? And and that's the beauty of the playoffs mm. because much like in the NHL, it's a lo- it's a long journey. Uh, and if you're able to to have a a month, you hope you hope it's a month of of games that changed the narrative of how you did in the, in the in the regular season. Very few people in Toronto or across Canada are going to care much about whatever Vlad's batting average was in the regular season if he gets him to the World Series. And it's all in front of him. We just have to wait and see what happens. That's that is the best part of the playoffs. Is that you can change the perception of your of your season in the matter of a few days. But guess what? You got to find a way to execute now. And, and the Jays have not always done that well as a team. So um, it's just so interesting, guys. We could talk about this for hours, the number of different angles on it. And I just, I can't wait for the first pitch today.
0: Yeah, me neither. I, I am interested also because we're we're obviously very myopic and, and baseball is very much a regional sport. Um, that yeah, I can't say that I spent a lot of time this season thinking about the Minnesota Twins because of the division they played in. But yeah, diving into the numbers and, and some of the narrative surrounding that team, I, I am curious about the amount of pressure on them because it, it it's been a build for them right 2021 73 wins last year 78 and then 87 this year and and winning a division title kind of going away uh with it, it it mostly the result of the rest of that division fading except for the tigers who played well down the stretch to finish second right. in, in that division so shout out to a tigers team that might be finally on, on the rise and, and able to compete at the top of that division but yeah it was it was a successful season, and they've they've got some good young players, and 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 could they win a World Series? Absolutely, but like it doesn't feel, John, and correct me if I'm wrong here, um, that the pressure is nearly close to what it is in Toronto for this Twins team. That yeah is in a contention, a window of contention, and and it's not like it's all young players. They they traded for Pablo Lopez. They they re-signed Carlos Correa but it feels like the expectations are modest compared to what they were for the Blue Jays, especially coming into the season as one of the World Series favorites.
2: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The, the, the Twins, uh, they are for a variety of reasons. They, they are less leveraged to this exact year in the way that the Jays are, where we've been pointing to this year for a long time that this is this is the Jays' year. hasn't felt that way during the course of the season in terms of their play, but this this really, when you look at how, how little time together that that, they, that Vlad and Bo have left before they become free agents, there's there's a ton of urgency. They, they went out and spent on Bassett. They went, went out, obviously, at Goss in recent years too. This is this is an all-in kind of a team, and I, I think that both teams, but I think more so on the Jays' side. We've touched on this before. When the when the Yankees and Red Sox are down, you've got to take advantage, and that's where the Jays find themselves right now. I think for the Twins, you know, we, we've mentioned some of the younger guys. Was Lewis, Julian, uh, Walner, uh, Johan Duran, and the in the bullpen is still a pretty young guy. They, they they're sort of at the start of something. And you look at their division, and to your point, the White Sox are still lost. Uh, the, the Royals are not close to winning yet, in my opinion. Cleveland pitching is still really good. Francona's retiring, obviously, so that's maybe the end of an era. Detroit's getting a lot better. The point is the, the Twins, if they keep playing well, they should arrive at spring training next year with a pretty good chance to uh, to make the playoffs yet again. And and they and what I like about the Twins' setup right now is, is they had time to, to get – their rotation lineup exactly as they wanted to. And, and yet they also still played pretty well in the month of September. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good sign. So it's a good combination of you're in a good run of form. You've got your pitching lined up. You're hoping that you've got some of your more recently injured guys back healthy. It's a, it's a good convergence of circumstances. You're at home as well. Um, And again, they, they have the burden of not having won a playoff game in 19 years. So they understand that pressure I just think they're they are not feeling quite the same roster related pressure and yeah. window to win type pressure that the Jays are feeling.
0: Yeah, I would say there's more than a few Minnesotans also that are focused on the Vikings this time of year than than uh, than on the Twins. Uh, last one before that, you go. This is the first postseason we're going to see with the pitch clock, John, and and so many of my my great postseason memories are of you know those those great fan shots and and people. Praying to the heavens that they're going co- their team is going to come up with a big hit or or a big strikeout and i I understand entirely why Major League Baseball didn't mess with it come the postseason. This is the way we play baseball now and and certainly there's going to be bonuses to it. It'll be interesting to see if, if if it feels as as tense as as years previous, what are you anticipating?
2: I, I think it'll be great uh, I, and, and what I'll say on this is uh, I believe it was the the Kurt Gibson at bat that if, if, you had, if you had had a pitch clock, that the Gibson-Eckersley at-bat would have all been legal from beginning to end. Really? And so, yes. So we're, we're used to having even the most tense moments. You know, first of all, for, for those of us, uh, you know, all of us who, who love broadcasting and are a bit of, you know, broadcasting uh, aficionados, it was of course the the late great Bill Webb of of Fox who always did such a great job of uh, of cutting in those uh, the, those crowd shots and the and he sort of pioneered this decades ago. And, and you think about the World Series and a friend of mine, Matt Gangle, is a tremendous broad, a tremendous broadcaster and, and director. So he's uh, he's now charged with that, and I'm sure that Matt will find a way. As opposed to maybe getting having enough time for three of those fan shots, cutaway, cutaway, cutaway. Maybe it's one or two. He'll adjust. I mean, we're all adjusting. And I think that my friend Matt, uh, my friend Mike Farron did a great made a great point about this this week on uh, on MLB Network Radio about how if yes, there's maybe this argument that you want to uh, have the the, the governor taken off, if you will, and gone back to the those postseason games of old. And I get that, but the, the point that Mike made, I think is the most important one, which is if you're now having casual fans tuning in for the first time all year yeah. or for the first time seriously in a you know in a while, don't you want to be able to show them our our new toy our, our new our new baseball, the way that the game is, is working right now which fans have you look at the amount of increased attendance, fans have loved it I, I think you want to show off to the world how well it's yeah, how well it's gone. It's worked exceptionally well. There were maybe some hiccups early on, but I think the players have adapted well. You know, I was covering some really important games in in the, uh, you know, in Seattle over the last week that mattered a ton and we didn't have any violations there either. I, I think the players have adapted. It's a much better product. The fans seem to enjoy it. So I think you want to show off to the whole world what you're able to do right now as a sport.
0: Yep, and and you want a Marlins-Phillies game that starts at 8 o'clock to... Finish before midnight, which will happen. That's a
2: great point. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and that's that's it too. I mean, that's where you know, again, being a a father of young kids, the ability to to watch a game, uh, a night game that that ends on time, Mm -hmm. uh, is is really it's 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 both an asset to to the sport growing, and it's a it is a blessing to all the families who want to do that.
0: Ah, John, quadruple header of playoff baseball, also a blessing. My goodness, can't wait for it. Uh, Starting at three o'clock this afternoon. Thanks for this, John.
2: All the best. Enjoy the playoffs are here. We kept saying, just get the Jays to the dance. They'll be they'll be relaxing and a much different team today. We're we're gonna start finding out, my friends. I can't
0: wait. We'll, we'll put it to the test. See you, John. All the best. Thanks. That is John Morosi, MLB Network. This insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and
1: in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. dot com. You know how I can tell Morosi's excited for playoff baseball. How? He did not shoehorn the Red Wings into the conversation. Oh, that's a great point. Like we, there's a hockey team in Minnesota. He could have easily gone. I mean, there's <laughs> literally nothing to talk about of them like, hey, girl Capriza. But, yeah, I, you know, a- <laughs> that would have been quite the hipster move. But the fact that he didn't even dip a toe in there. Normally mm. he. Nobody likes to throw out a little like, "Hey, just in case you guys forgot, I know yeah. hockey." Yes, but he didn't even do that because he's so excited, he's rightfully so. In. He's it's the first in. day of baseball's postseason. I, I would like to
0: congratulate Carlos Correa for tearing the planter fasciitis. congratulations the face <laughs>
1: both of us made, <laughs> and then that being followed up with, which is great
0: actually. <laughs> when he heard that thing snap, he was like, "Yes, <laughs> like man, I'm from heaven. Oh, my, my foot is in God. pieces."
1: Awful. Have you ever had plantar fasciitis? No, it sounds disgusting. I've Quite, had it yeah. before.
0: It is not great. It's yeah. not what you want. You, 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 like, okay, you can't walk. Uh, you I can't. Just a, you just can't. You cannot okay. physically walk.
1: Let me ask you the question I need to ask you. What's that? Can you play golf though? Like, could your cart stand there? Like, I was walking
0: on the side of my foot. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) I think that's what it was. Like, it was plantar fasciitis, but, like, I literally couldn't walk on, like, the arches of my foot. So I was just, like, walking uh, on the side of my foot. you just needed
1: a good old snap (laughs) and you would have been feeling Uh, great?
0: Yeah, I should have, yeah. Yeah. uh, Oof. I should have just, you should have just cut your foot at the bottom. That's what I was going to say, but I was like, that's too gory. But you did it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's fine. Anyways, um, say anything once. Could say anything once. <laughs> that's really gross. Uh, I, I, I gotta tell you, despite the fact that Carlos Correa has had a down year for him, mm-hmm. OPS plus under 100, so like below league average offensive mm-hmm. player, and despite the fact that he hasn't played in multiple weeks because of the plantar fasciitis, that's a guy I'm probably not keen on pitching to. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you, if you're navigating this twins lineup like he's he's still a guy that you you want to mm, probably not be throwing fastballs down the middle of the plate. Although like there's a good argument to be made that, yeah, the bat speed has diminished to a point that actually fastballs, maybe not down the middle of the plate, but fastballs are the the biggest weapon against him.
1: Yeah. Chris black, one of the, one of the Jays uh, producers here, you hear him on the Jays talk plus all the time with Blake. He did a, he did a great deep dive thread yesterday. And that was a big part of it of just attack Correa with fastballs, bust him inside. Uh, Seems like a pretty good weapon there. And perhaps super importantly, If Gosman's not having luck with the splitter, establishing that pitch and pitching inside, and, you know, we don't need to get into what this means with umpires, but if you get a little respect early in the game, especially Mm. if you're attacking the zone and being in there, we all know that can beget uh, straight calls potentially later on in the game for you. So something to watch there.
0: All right, here's something to chew on. Brought to you by a great Canadian Meet So mention NBA media day across so many franchises in the NBA yesterday, including the Raptors, including the Miami heat where Jimmy Butler debuted his new haircut, which I know it's this amazing. is a, it's it's an amazing. audio medium,
1: but you should, you've seen it.
0: Yeah, it, it's, I, I know people. Called it an emo haircut, and and in fact, Jimmy was like playing some emo, like some nineties emo music at at points yesterday. To me, it does look like the prototypical Karen haircut. There's
1: definitely some of that as well.
0: It was. I was at first I wondered if it was a wig or if it was uh, somebody photoshopped that picture into my Twitter timeline. No, that's no. that's legit. And mm-hmm. and when asked about the haircut and why he has it, Jimmy said it's just you know it's how I feel right now. I guess which is supposed to indicate to us that he's sad that he didn't get Dame Lillard oh. and he's going emo. Oh, that's the way I took it. You I didn't ju- take it that I way. I just
1: think he's weird. Like I think he's like <laughs> he just. He he goes to the US Open and is like, I like, I don't care about the NBA Finals. I like Carlos Alcaraz. He is very much just a look-at-me guy. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what he wanted to do. Great. I think it's hilarious. I you know, for people, i I think this is well known now, but for people who don't realize it's such a big part of these media days is yes, it's about going and, you know, having the Uh, the chum in the water that the Raptors gave us yesterday. That's the goal of it all from the media perspective, media perspective. But really what it's for is for these guys to take their pictures. And when you're at the arena, it's all the like let's goes and all that. And Jimmy Butler is going to have this hair every time somebody's at a heat game or even more (laughs) like this stuff happens on that day too. I could be wrong, but. NBA on TNT, big Thursday night game or Wednesday night game or whatever it is, that's the graphic of Jimmy (laughs) Butler in the heat
0: that's going to be there. Honestly, if this was part of the grand plan that Jimmy Butler was like, Watch this This is going to be hilarious <laughs> I think it was I think that's the whole plan I don't know I don't discount the possibility Of him playing the whole season With that hair Although I will I, say I when I feel you're,
1: like sweat Would probably yeah, not You're running up well. and down
0: the court Like you have to at least have
1: that That uh, pulled back Into a ponytail Or something Don't you You do headband Headband Yeah they banned The karate <laughs> style one That was yeah. really cool That all the guys were wearing Where yeah. they like tied it like off that, Like that a one. ninja turtle Behind yeah. their head uh, That would have been quite a look But that's That's like just the appetite that was like, Jimmy Butler's doing crazy things over here. That wasn't the only thing happening on NBA Media Day.
0: No, it wasn't. Kawhi Leonard also spoke, and, and he was was asked to respond <laughs> to the NBA's new uh, arrest policy.
1: I'm just wondering if you feel an obligation to play every game. No. I mean, I'm <laughs> not a guy that's sitting down because I'm doing a load management play. Well, when I was with the Raptors, it was different. Like, I was coming from an injury, and you have to know the details of a doctor. Um, But if the league is seeing or trying to mock what I did with the Raptors, then they should stop because I was injured during that whole year. Um, But other than that, if I'm able to play, I'll play basketball. Um, You know, I'll work out every day in the summertime to play the game, not to sit and watch people play, Um, you know. no league
0: policy is helping me to play more games. Yeah, and uh, that's a league policy, by the way, that earlier in the conversation, he had no idea about. They're like, <laughs> is, like hey, what do you think of the new load management policies? Like, what is it? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> this is just my job. I just work here. You tell me. <laughs> so I'm of two minds with this thing. Okay. So one is like, that's tone deaf, right? Like, come of on. Like, yeah. people. And especially considering the expectations with this Clippers team since you arrived, and and the lack of time that people have seen you and Paul George on the court together, I mean, like it's you basically, made them
1: give away Shea Gilders Alexander uh, yeah. to facilitate it all. Uh, it's
0: like, come on, come on, <laughs> Kawhi, are you? But then I don't know. You think a little bit harder about it, and 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 it's not just him, too, right? I, I think there is this perception that it is these load management decisions are coming from the players. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't speak specifically to each individual one and Kawhi Leonard, but I think Kawhi did hit on a thing that is largely true, is that these guys do want to play basketball. You know why? Because it's yeah, fun. Other,
1: other than Ben Simmons, most of them and, do. Yeah, Like <laughs> I <laughs> still... You're he, right. He, the That's jury's why out I for said him. individual
0: yeah. cases for <laughs> individual players. Ben Simmons heard you say that, and he's like, Ew, who would want to <laughs> do that? Ew. Gross. Um, but yeah, I think by and large, these players want to play. And also... The proof is kind of in the pudding as far as Kawhi Leonard missing multiple, like, basically whole seasons. And in 2021-22, a whole season because of a knee injury before he arrived in Toronto, only played the nine games with the Spurs. And, of course, Mm -hmm. if if you want to go back in time and remember the conversation that was happening between he and the rest of those Spurs teammates and their belief that he could have played through Mm -hmm. the pain of the injury that he was recovering from, the Raptors only forced him into playing 60 regular season games, and just barely squeezed every last postseason game out of yep. him. Remember, like, there oh, was
1: I know. more than a, oh, a couple of vid- reports. Oh, that interview with him and Kyle afterwards, and it looks like he's going to die limping off of that chair. Yeah, and, and there were
0: more than a couple reports that at times during the postseason, he was doubtful or questionable to play in those postseason games during the Raptors' title run. So, like, he is truly a guy that is dealt with lower body injuries throughout the course of his career. And certainly over the last half decade, I almost view him in a separate category from, from other superstars. Although like Kevin Durant, it must be said also has dealt with a number of different injuries mm-hmm. and also in a, in an advanced age, as far as the NBA is concerned. So yeah. I, I want the star players to play and it's, it doesn't feel like it's too much to ask them to play you know mm-hmm. the, the almost all of of the 82 games uh, where there's only 48 minutes in a game but just look at some of these guys injuries histories and and what are you asking for are you asking yeah. for them to further risk injury in a regular season that's becoming more and more meaningless?
1: So the Kawhi thing's actually really interesting. I think bringing up Durant, he's just on a complete other end of the spectrum. Like he's just one of these guys who has to play basketball or he'll die. Him and Ben Simmons are on whatever the scale is. Simmons is on one side and Kevin Durant's on the other side. Like he just has to play basketball or he'll die. I think Kawhi Leonard is probably somewhere in the middle, like a mm-hmm. lot of people in this league. The thing with Kawhi, and I can understand why he would be frustrated about this, is that, yes, the league has its load management policies, but this was a conversation before Kawhi Leonard was even a thing. I remember the Heat going to San Antonio or vice versa, and I actually think it was Popovich saying, yeah. I'm going to sit all my guys right. just as a screw you to the league. And Kawhi Leonard saying, what does that have to do with me? That is a team mm-hmm. trying to go with the league. Why am I, all of a sudden, a guy who is hurt the face of this because I did it for a Raptors team that mm-hmm. nobody cares about, so we could just, you know, crap on load management and the idea of it because they're the face of it. So, from Kawhi's perspective, I do understand the idea of being frustrated of, hold on, there Why are my the poster boy? Yeah, yeah, go make Ben Simmons the poster boy. Go make my <laughs> old coach, who I probably kind of hate, Greg Popovich, who put the middle finger to the league. Why don't you make him the poster boy of it? Why does it have to be me? So, I totally understand Kawhi's frustration. And then, just to, just to kind of dovetail what last media day story. He at least showed up. Yep. James Harden didn't even bother to do that in <laughs> Philly. Yeah. So Kawhi's sitting there going, I know my answers aren't sexy because I just talk like this, but if you listen, I do actually have good words to say. Unlike that bum in Philly who didn't want to show up, why don't you ask him about load management? Like it is, I can I can completely understand his frustration.
0: Yeah, the the organizations themselves, the front offices themselves should probably be the ones answering for this load management question and not the players because I think by and large it's it's not um, at their feet, the decision. All right, when we come back, Leafs lose in overtime. Connor Timmins could be out for an extended period of time, which I mean, means the Leafs probably get to keep him. So, so that's a positive. We'll, we'll get into some Leafs storylines next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive
1: Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: season winning streak up in flames blow a two goal lead to the Montreal Canadiens yesterday to lose a 5-4 in overtime as is their want they were 7 and 9 in overtime games this past season i mean you have the talent the, the offensive skill mm-hmm. that this team has is that not like a very bizarre statistic to not be over 500 in the skills competition
1: that is 3 on 3 there's something to that also I'm not. I want to be very clear about this. I'm not taking the off the hook for any of these overtime losses. Every single one of them mm-hmm. is infuriating. Don't no, defend the Maple Leafs. No, but having said that, when it's three on three, like our Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and whichever defenseman on any given night they decide to throw out with those guys, <laughs> are they special? Are they talented? Are they better than what the other team can throw at you? Almost certainly every night, but. This is not the 1980s NHL where it's like, all hey, right, send the check-in line out there. No, yeah. the other team's got pretty skilled guys too, like Nick Suzuki. Say what you will about him, that he's mm-hmm. not anywhere near, and he's not anywhere near the level of those guys. He's a pretty talented, skilled player in space, and that's the problem. They just give him too much space. It, it has always felt like they're kind of on autopilot. They don't know what to do. It is a push and pull kind of thing going on with that team where they at some, sometimes Matthews will get the puck quick and just go for the kill shot. And then the puck goes back the other way and they score. Sometimes they'll kind of hold things and try to get the other team's best player off the ice. It does seem like feels like you're talking about the blue Jays here. Just not, not a ton of a concrete plan when it's heading into I, overtime. And I don't, I'm not going to get too up in arms about it because yeah, there are those. So they were seven and
0: nine in overtime. So that's nine points that they could have added to their total. If they were, I mean a perfect yep. 16 and O in overtime, which nobody had 16 overtime wins. Who had the most 11? It looks like was the, yeah, 11 was the most overtime wins. The New Jersey devils were 11 and four in overtime a season ago. Those are real points. It mm-hmm. didn't matter last year yeah. because the Bruins ran away with the Atlantic division. Ultimately, could it be the difference in in winning the Atlantic Division, finishing second or third, or man, do you hope not uh, postseason spot? But it it's so irre- irrelevant in the overall grand scheme of things that I, I wouldn't spend extra no. time, you know, figuring out your overtime strategy. I, I would kind of go, hey, just go, just do your thing. Yeah, do do what you think you need to do to score a goal. And if we get scored against, that's kind of the nature of three on three.
1: Yeah, It just can't look like it did last night. And I don't even know how many people were watching. Like a a preseason game goes to overtime. I imagine that's a lot of people like, okay, time to go to bed for me now. No, That
0: would be the time to flip it on.
1: The It just can't look like that, where it is just your three or two of your marquee players standing there Mm. with two opposition players (laughs) beneath them. There's only three guys on the (laughs) ice. Maybe, maybe pick up more than one guy. It just can't look like that, and it's incredibly frustrating. But, yeah, even even during a season where maybe the points will matter a little more, not so much for playoff positioning, but because I think you do want to try I mean, you try every year, but you should have a real shot to win your division this year, and obviously mm. that only sets you up better, so maybe the points will matter, but uh, for all the things we get ourselves tied in knots about with this team, and there are plenty of them, even even I cannot get too, too worked up about the overtime.
0: Alright, how about the blue line? So, Connor Timmons... <laughs> now we're talking. Connor Timmons was having a nice little preseason, and yeah, he's, he's going to take the Nick robertson role as the guy that's suffering the, yeah. the tough injury at the tough time although nick robertson got through preseason okay a season ago and then and then the injury happened but for timmons it's happened in the preseason. It is expected to be a longer term thing week to week is is what they're calling it but this is a guy that we talked about brent as being owed more than a million bucks against mm-hmm. the cap this year and next which is good if he produces and he's a part of your team and you know, in limited sample mm-hmm. last year, he did produce on the blue line, but it was hard to see him fitting in. And especially the the cap crunch that the Maple Leafs have upcoming before opening day, Maybe a blessing in disguise like that. It seems pretty clear that the the messaging around this thing is that they're going to be able
1: to stash them on LTIR. Yeah, it seems like that's going to be the route they're able to take. There's even been some talk now about because of that, they went from a team that was, oh, no, how do we even bring 18 bodies out of camp to can we all of a sudden carry three goalies to start the year? What's up with that? the cap brendan pridham's a genius i that's the that's the best i can give you there on that is that brendan pridham is able to understand these loopholes he literally wrote them so i think that's that's what's happening there and but that's not a small thing i don't want to overstate to what it is either it's not like you're going to be able to hold martin jones for ransom and some team's going to say oh take our take our best prospect we need martin jones Uh but you see the way goalies have been snapped up on waivers. We talk about it. A Leaf is not capable of going through waivers without getting snapped up, especially one that people have actually heard of before. This opens the door for them to be able to turn that into, albeit a small one, but a bit of an asset. And for a team that has traded so many assets out the window at deadline after deadline after deadline, recouping, recouping even something little, and I don't think it'd be a player. I think ideally you'd want to kind of latest round pick out of that or something along those lines, but it's just good asset management if they're able to do that. So brutal break for Timmins and honestly for the least blue line. Like I'm not saying you have to be overly excited about him, but they're gonna need him at times this year, especially with how thin this group looks now. So nice, nice asset management and brutal break for Timmins.
0: Yeah, I, and the reports are good on John Klingberg, who's day to day, but mm-hmm. has been off the ice for about five
1: days. I, I, yeah, if, I, if he is healthy to see and see him, available, I'm gonna need to see him on the ice before I'm like hearing mm. the report. And I'm not like I'm sure that's what the team is saying right now, but yeah. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see it
0: with my eyes, please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and Mark Giordano getting the the, the day off the ice yesterday. I mentioned he turned 40 today. So there's, yeah, there's... I I think the Maple Leafs are probably unlikely to go through even the first half of the season with Mm -hmm. six defensemen here. And we know that this blue line, I think, is going to look different after the trade deadline. But even in the opening weeks, months of the regular season are going to have to dip into their depth, I would say... Which means a guy like Simon Benoit mm-hmm. or Miko uh Leaf's third round pick from 2019, who Sheldon Keefe called the surprise of camp, which I don't, there's, there's two things happening there. Mm-hmm. Like, surprise of camp means that you're producing well, but it also means that the expectations
1: were very low for you. Had nothing, they had nothing on this guy. <laughs> they were like, you know. This feels like a guy who, if this was first-year Keefe, a little closer to the Marlies, he would have been like eyes watching this guy, seeing what's happening. He's removed now. This is okay. Good. You're here. Can you help? I am surprised by this. You're right. This is abundant. This is, it is nakedly saying I did not expect anything from you, and now maybe I can expect the tiniest of things from you. Uh, this is what it looks like for guys like this. We had Pontus Holmberg come up and play games, a lot of them for this team last year. Sheldon Keefe at one point said he was perfect. He did not make a mistake. That was a kiss of death. It felt like he couldn't do right uh, for anything. Literally the second those comments came out of Keefe's mouth, but this is what you're going to need for a blue line that looks like this until Living is able to kind of put more of his paws on it. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you should be happy about it or excited because you shouldn't. I mean, Benoit couldn't get in all the games for the Ducks last year, okay? Yeah. So I I don't want to overstate what this is. I still think, though, when you look at a top four that has Riley, Brody, McCabe, and Lilligren, that is enough to get you through the course of the start of the regular season until you start to get some healthy bodies, but it's not a championship-winning blue line by any means.
0: No, but that's that's the thing, right? Like this, if there's one thing I can guarantee you, um, and it, it better be this way if the Maple Leafs have any shot of winning a Stanley Cup this year, is that the blue line is the major area of need. It's the major area of turnover come mm-hmm. the trade deadline. This is the way it works in the salary cap world, is that the team you have for the majority of the regular season, mm-hmm. the, the team that you have at the beginning of the regular season, very different than the one... That you take into the postseason, and I especially expect that to be the case with this this Leafs team on the blue line.
1: The one uh, thing that could change that, if there is a move to be made now, we haven't heard any reporting, and it'd be tough to do this kind of late in in camp. But Yarenkroch's just been so MIA, right? And I know it's well, been a, injury related. Yeah, I neck. Know, he twisted his neck. Yeah. But anytime you have a new GM come in and there was a big bet, and it wasn't a huge bet in terms of salary, but four years is a lot of term in today's NHL, especially for a middle six guy like that who is not a part of your core – I just wonder how Brad Treliving feels about that contract. And if you're looking to improve the D, I'm not saying Kelly Arncroft is the chip that does it, mm-hmm. but it is the money piece that you move out that potentially allows you to do that. So that that's something I'm kind of keeping an eye on there with uh, with Arncroft and how Trilliving feels about him because we don't know.
0: We don't know. They're they're going up to Gravenhurst, though, for some team-building exercises. I wonder if they're going to do any golfing up there. I, I think they, they very well might. Uh, regular season for the Leafs opens a week.
1: Tomorrow, God, it's so close, but too far.
0: (laughs) It's a ways away. It's so far. Perhaps the the Toronto Blue Jays will be still playing postseason baseball by that point. Their journey begins this afternoon, 4.30 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, against the Twins. Uh, We'll get back into our series preview of that game. Have a look at uh, how the, the fans in Minnesota are reacting to a home playoff game and the pressure that... Uh, surrounds this Blue Jays team and individually who has the most pressure on them going into the postseason this year. That and much more next. The fan morning show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.